Hello and welcome to the Incredible Witness Podcast. Today's episode is titled, Bias. I guess most people, if they think long and hard enough, can recall an occasion or occasions when they experience what they consider to be unfair treatment. Irrespective of whether the incident was a big or small matter, the experience invariably tends to leave you with an unpleasant taste in your mouth, or with negative feelings such as resentment, confusion, anger or bitterness that lingers on long after the event or incident has passed. People who have lived through any discriminatory experience almost inevitably develop strong feelings towards those they see as having wronged them, and these feelings, if experienced often, may develop into feelings of persecution. Sometimes, due to the intensity of the emotions generated by the experience, the whole event becomes bigger in the mind of the recipient of any discriminatory or less than favourable treatment. If you experience discrimination very rarely, depending on the nature of the incident, you are likely to be able to shrug it off as a one-off incident that has no lasting impact on your life and sense of well-being. On the other hand though, if you regularly are subjected to discriminatory experiences, it becomes far less easy to shrug it off because the impact has a compounding effect. If it happens frequently enough, that sense of resentment and anger swells, and individuals are no longer able to view it as a one-off incident that they can just get over. This is why some people from discriminated groups are often seen as being angry. It negatively affects their mental health, their self-esteem, and undermines their confidence. The experiences are traumatic, and the compounding impact is such that not only are recipients of discrimination unable to shrug off the effects, but because they occur often, the impact is pervasive and sensitizing, causing people to become vulnerable, distressed and anxious. Individuals or groups of people who are subjected regularly to discrimination begin to look for and expect the same or similar treatment waiting for them around the corner. This, I would suggest, is indicative of the pervasive effect of multiple discriminatory experiences. Now, whilst that may cause some people to view this as irrational behaviour, to evaluate it properly, one would have to place themselves in similar circumstances over a period of time. Consider, for example, how someone traumatised by poor dental or health treatment may recoil at the thought of further visits to any dentist or nurses holding syringes. An experience only has to be endured once or twice to be traumatic. So repeated experiences magnify the response to the trauma and become viewed as both highly harmful and abusive. As social workers working with people from discriminated groups, it is vital that we have as clear as possible an understanding of how discrimination and oppression impacts on individuals and the communities. Most importantly, we have to be aware of how our own thought processes, values and actions can contribute to the discriminatory experiences of children and families. Yet it is so easy, despite being an experienced social worker, to get things wrong. I recall an assessment of a parent I worked with a number of years ago now, It was an assessment of a father who had left school prior to sitting any exams. He had been able to do his own thing from the age of about 12. He had been in prison for for minor offences, 
His ex-partner reported allegations of domestic abuse against him, and his photograph had appeared in, in connection with a possible crime investigation, but no charges were brought against him. The father had been advised to engage in a parenting course, but chose not to do so after attending one or two sessions, stating that he did not feel he needed it. During contact with his child, his attendance was good, but he was particularly unhappy about being supervised in the community by a supervisor of a different race or ethnicity, and displayed hostility and intimidation towards the supervisor in the presence of his child. An issue in this case was the acrimony which existed between the parents, the mother being ruled out due to substance misuse. Concerns arose about how contact would be managed given the animosity between the parents. In my interviews with him, what came across to me was that he felt he knew enough about parenting as he had other children, albeit that they had predominantly been cared for by their mother, a previous partner. Whilst he had some support in the form of a current partner who was not living with him, and one or two other friends he could call upon, his support network was limited. The conclusion I came to was not an easy one, but I formed the view that he would struggle to care for his child as the sole carer, and that in the absence of other family members who could care for the child, that the child's best interests were that of adoption. The judge, however, did not agree with my assessment, and the child was placed in the father's care. One of the main lessons I gained in retrospect was a basic lesson from the Children Act, that children are better off in the care of their parent unless it is clear that they are likely to suffer significant harm. I also recognise that although I don't like to see myself as having a particular bias one way or another, in hindsight I feel certain that my own attitudes and attitude, values and attitudes played a role in leading me to the conclusion I arrived at. We are all capable of displaying bias, especially when we are unaware of our potential to do so. Was I wrong to come to the conclusion I came to? Well, clearly I had not argued my case well enough to persuade the judge that the child was likely to suffer significant harm if placed in the care of their father. There were concerns relating to the father's past history of, of criminality, use of alcohol, his unwillingness to subject himself to a parenting course and his willingness to exhibit hostile, intimidatory behaviour towards a supervisor of contact in the presence of his child. His behaviour seemed clearly based on racial grounds, since his hostility was not observed by the other supervisors, all of whom were of the same ethnicity as him. In my assessment of him, he showed a tendency to, tendency to gloss over concerns related to his inexperience of caring for a young child of his, on his own, his relative lack of support, and demonstrated a definite inclination towards behaviour which refused to consider advice from others. These factors clearly influenced my eventual conclusion, but in hindsight, I wonder if my assessment of the father was influenced by his proclivity towards showing both hostility based on racial grounds and displaying aggression in the presence of his young child. I suspect on reflection that my conclusion was in some way influenced by my own strength of feeling against behaviour which I considered to be racial discrimination and his willingness to do so in the presence of his child. Only time will tell whether the child receives good enough care throughout their childhood or is subjected to significant harm in the future.
However, what emerged from me as a lesson to be aware of is how my own experiences of discrimination and their powerful impact can in turn influence my own ability to reach sound conclusions in my professional life and likely my personal life too. Remaining well balanced following subjection to incidents of bias is a major challenge that those unfamiliar with the effect of discrimination tend to have limited knowledge of. But as is, as is so often the case in life, it is precisely those groups of people who have little or no experience of discrimination who need to be aware of the impact it has on others. Ultimately, as my experience illustrates, we all as individuals need to be conscious of our capacity to be biased. Certain discriminated groups, though, live their entire lives in the shadow of discrimination. And this blights their lives to a far greater degree than the majority of people ever even begin to realise. Until next time.